The singing was really good this morning, and that's pretty impressive considering there are way less people here than there usually are. <laughs> All that being said, it's, uh, it's good to see those of you who are here. Uh, I took that joke once, and it's too long. I enjoyed it. I don't care what you thought. Uh, we, uh, I... I am. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, that you are here today to celebrate the resurrection with us. Um, we're gonna hopefully learn a couple of things. Uh, we've already learned that we that car alarms should have individual ringtones, just like cell phones. Mine would be shot through the heart by Bon Jovi. It'd be a dual purpose. I thought of that sitting there. I want you to know. I haven't pondered on that for a while. During the singing, During the singing when I, as I was worshiping God. <laughs> that was the closest thing to a musical instrument we've had in a while. Accompanying us. So, um, today on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus got out of the grave. And not only do we celebrate the fact that that happened, we celebrate what it means for us. But I want to look at the, the, the passage this morning in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but they, when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright... The women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He, is, he has risen, or he has been resurrected. Remember now he told you, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them, also named Mary, who told this to the apostles. Now, at this, like you would think, since we know the story, and we do know the story, we know that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, and then on the third day, he rose again. But since we know the story, we know what's coming next. And when you know what's coming next... You're not surprised by what comes next. And sometimes it's hard for us to put ourselves in the shoes of those who are surprised by what comes next. And that includes the apostles, the disciples in the room there. Like, this was early morning. They were just getting up. Andrew was just finishing his coffee. Thomas had gone on a doubtful walk. There had been... They were, they were all sort of just trying to figure out what exactly happened. Peter decided to follow um, who he thought was the Messiah, and the Messiah ended up dead, and his mother alive was resuscitated. Mother-in-law, mother alive. <laughs> you know, he probably thought, that didn't really work out how I thought it was going to. But, just masking, and you know, it's probably just grief. You know, like just, just this, this shock of grief. You know, when something awful happens, most of the time people say, I, 
I can't believe it. That doesn't mean they're saying, you're lying to me. What they're expressing is the first stage of grief is denial. Surely that's not true. I can't believe that happened. So what they're experiencing, even on Sunday morning, is this shock of what, what do we do now? And did this really happen? What's next? And they're still sitting there figuring this out. One of the hardest things to do when something awful happens, and let's all acknowledge that Jesus, this man you followed for three years, thought you were, thought was going to be the Messiah, he dies on the cross. Didn't see that coming. None of them saw that coming. We can all acknowledge that's a traumatic event. And this traumatic event, one of the things that happens in traumatic events is you rarely sleep. You just It's restless sleep, and so you're... you're you're up and in and out, up and down, and you finally, you get to a place where you get some rest. Maybe you're just up. The first night of real sleep they had, probably a Saturday night where they think, what in the world has happened? And people say, just go get some rest. We'll see you in the morning. Figure out what to do in the morning. And they're barely up. And Mary the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, and Joanna burst in the door, probably all talking at once. Has, have, have you ever had to get, tried to get an orderly account of something from like three kids? Just they all want to tell you all at once. And they all bust in the door and say, Jesus, You're not going to believe this, but Jesus is alive. But guess what? The disciples didn't believe it. But they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, every day, a woman tells a man some truth, and he doesn't believe her. And whenever he can't figure it out for himself, wonders what happened. But on this particular special day, it, it's the craziest thing that has ever happened. Listen, if you, I get, I get if you don't believe this. I really do. I think that was a sermon two years ago on Easter, which was what we believe is crazy. I get it. I get, but my whole life, my whole uh, attitude toward other people, my relationships, my marriage, my church family is based on the fact that I believe Jesus got out of the grave. Now, if you don't believe that and you want to try to, and you want to say, I, no, Benjamin, I, I'd love to talk to you about that. I can tell you where my faith has a limp too. You know, I, we're, we're all sort of just struggling here. And the, I, we can talk about that, but let's just assume for my sake 
that Jesus got out of the grave. For, this is what this celebration is. And yes, we do celebrate every Sunday. But today we look back and we say, it was on this day. We can say with pretty, pretty good certainty, it was on this day. So many years ago. That Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene and Joanna walked, it bust into the door and said, Jesus is alive. And the disciples said, no, he's not. That kind of may be where you are in your life. If that's so, you're in good company. Because the first time Peter and Andrew, James, John, Thomas... All these guys heard that Jesus was alive. That was their response too. That's what they thought. Ah, that's crazy. But then the story moves on and the resurrection affects them. The resurrection moves them. And we see, we are here today because something about that sequence of events for the disciples made them want to tell more people that Jesus is alive. And that made those people want to tell more people. Year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium, we are celebrating still the resurrection of Jesus. Because they believed it happened and they were willing to face death and torture. They were willing to be arrested and tried because they believed it happened. Because they saw him. They experienced him. You get to Acts chapter 2 and Peter is preaching this sermon. Peter, the one who said, no, that's not true. Peter, notice all of them are doubters. We tagged Thomas. But all of them didn't think it happened until Jesus showed up. But Peter preaching this sermon in Acts chapter 2, um, this was just this was just 50 days later. So 50 days from the day that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and, and Joanna burst into the door and said, Jesus is alive. 50 days from that first Easter Peter stands up in front of everyone and says, Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his dead body would, did his dead body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, or we have, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then he ends the sermon like this. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, Lord and Messiah. Jesus didn't just get up from the grave and think, well, okay, I guess I'll go fishing. He's now king. Like he's, he's, the, he's the ruler. He's king of your life. And so Peter goes from that didn't happen to this Jesus whom you crucified as Lord and Savior, and I'm sure of it. Peter goes from doubt to faith in 50 days. Now, your journey might not be that fast. 
You may start at doubt, and that's fine. You're in good company. You may start right where you doubted. I don't know if that happened. That's good. God can work with that. But the resurrection of Jesus will impact us slowly over time, consistently over time. If I believe that Jesus is alive, if I believe that Jesus is king, that will transform me over a long period of time. I think one of the worst things that Christians do is we assume that there are, that the, the difference between people are just good people and bad people. We've got good people over here and bad people over here, and the good people are good because they're good people, and the bad people are bad because they're bad people. And it's back and forth, and sometimes, sometimes good people do bad things, and sometimes bad people do good things, but we're sort of just put in two different camps. And if you're a Christian, you're a thing. You're an obvious thing if you're a Christian. You can spot a Christian on the street. And if you're not a Christian, we can spot you too. Your lack of khaki pants. <laughs> we used to live next door to the church where we preached. And when we'd go out to eat on Sundays, back before we had a toddler, uh, we, would, we would go home and get out of our church disguises before we went to go eat. So I would, in the summer, I'd go home and put on shorts and a t-shirt and tennis shoes. And I'd, we'd get in, the, uh, in, our, in our car and go, to, go eat. And we'd walk in to these restaurants with all these people in their khaki pants and their ties and, 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 and shirts too. Not just khaki pants and ties. It was Texas. But we'd walk in and these people would turn around like, like we were... Gun marauders walking in, like, who's in charge in this town? They would turn, like, people would stop talking to turn and look at the heathens in shorts on a Sunday. (laughs) We know what Christians look like in church. We know what Christians are supposed to sound like. We know what, we know those those Christians look a certain way and non-Christians look a certain way. And I'm, I would argue that the resurrection has such a slow progression from unholy to holy that it's hard to draw a dividing line and say the people over here are Christian and the people over here aren't Christian. Because I don't think it's where you are. I think it's where you're going. So if you, if you look real Christian and you're super judgy, or you're... Look, maybe you've lived, you like real, really lived so much so, like, not really lived, but you know, like, lived hazardlessly, hazardly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Caroline, will you quit showing off in front of your friends? <laughs> Saying words. No, hazardlessly, like they just live like they're. Did I do it? No. Okay, you get up here. So, they, you know like someone who looks like they, at some point in their life, picked a tattoo off of a wall? Those of you who got that joke, I like you more. But you know they've had a night where they've thought, Yeah! Put that on my body forever. I sort of like the Tasmanian devil. And so, 
Like people who've really like had some like hard life experiences and made some some poor choices. You might not look at them and say they're a Christian, but maybe they're heading in a better direction than someone wearing khaki pants. And the way we the way we allot people into groups and say you're a something and you're a this and you're a that. We would do that with the disciples when they when we said you didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, but I'm gonna. I'm not there yet, but I will be. I'm getting there. And I would argue that most of the time, the getting there is simply about allowing yourself to interact with people who are like Jesus and trying to follow Jesus too. That, that life shape is a story, it's a narrative, it's an arc that allows us Not pick us out at one any place and judge us right where we sit. See, I would argue God doesn't just love you where you are. He loves where you've been, too. He loves your story. See, Satan wants to come in and make you feel shame for your doubt. Or make you feel shame for your past. But your past was the launching place for where God is taking you. Your past is, is this place that, while, yes, you wouldn't advise anyone to take the route you took, maybe. But God wants you to feel, or Satan wants you to feel shame. And God wants you to feel redeemed. What you once were is lifted up and exalted by what God is turning you into. God doesn't just love where you are. He loves where you were. He loves the story. He loves that you're improving. And if you continue to follow Jesus, God's proud of where you're going. So that whole ark matters to God. Jesus tells a story about a prodigal son. About a lost son. And he doesn't just say the son was lost. He gives in great detail what the son did. The son, well, the son wanted to get away from his father, so he got his inheritance. He went off to a land. He, he, he really just wasted that money on, on women and, and, and inappropriate toxins. Double cheeseburgers. And like he just completely squandered that money and... And then there was a famine, and he was, he was in the pigsty, just like this gory details for a Jew, a Jewish audience, telling, telling someone that that man was eating with the pigs is like the grossest thing you could say to a, to a predominantly Jewish audience. So he was just, he was in an awful situation. Why did he, you know, you could see like the, the lost son saying, you have to tell the whole story. You have to tell the whole story. What's wonderful about Christians who are open about their past and open about the fact that they once were just nincompoops. <laughs> Jerks, judgmental Christians who once will say, yeah, man, I, I just, I was addicted. I was, I was this, I was that. Anybody who can tell their whole story gives glory to God more than the people who say, look how well-dressed I am. For Sunday morning 
service. Or look how put, all put together I am. It doesn't matter how big of a fight we got into with each other on the way to church. We walk in and we're fine. If you're real, if you're real evangelical, you're blessed. How are you? Blessed. You know you, when you smile without your eyes? Just, people are like, oh, wow. God's blessed him with a creepy face. That sort of, that, uh, but when, when we can say, I, my, our marriage is struggling. When we can say, I'm, I'm addicted. When we can say, I was addicted, or I was sinful, or I was unfaithful, or I was a liar, or I was a cheat, or I was, I was, I was, I was. Let leads me to who I am now, not because I somehow got my act together, but because Jesus is alive and he's king. And I believe it. Who you were can be redeemed by who Jesus is. And who you are can be led by who Jesus is. The resurrected Savior matters to your life. It'll change it. And it'll land it in a place that you couldn't have landed it in on your own. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. We always, we always hear 1 Corinthians 13. It's a love chapter. Love, love. Um, the, ones, the, the part we quote at weddings is brilliant, beautiful. This is my favorite part, starting in verse 8. It says, love never fails. A better translation of that would have been, love never ends. It doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. Love keeps going. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end to an end when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became an adult i put an end to childish ways for now we see in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face now i know only in part then i will know fully even as i have been fully known You are not where you are going. You are not yet what you will be. And you are not who you were. And it's only because of Jesus. It's only because the king conquered death and now leads and redeems and forgives. You are... You are not summed up by what you were. If that were so, Jesus would have walked out of the grave and everyone would have said, oh my goodness, you're alive. And he goes, yeah, but I was dead once. Jesus' story went into the grave and came out. Your story starts in a place that is unredeemed, that is without a leader. When you're just worshiping yourself, 
and it ends in a place that is beautiful and, and is unattainable without a resurrected king. So the tomb is empty today, but, but Jesus doesn't go back in the tomb. He ascends to the throne. He becomes king. So if we are going to celebrate the empty tomb, we must celebrate the righteous Lord. We must celebrate the, the, the forgiving king. And we must let God lead us somewhere. You are not what you were. And you are not where you will be. And that progression is only lifted up by a resurrected king. If what you are today is not a follower of the resurrected Son of God, not a follower of Jesus, if what you are today is somebody who's followed Jesus and just needs the church to pray for them, needs the church to hold them accountable, allow us to be faithful, what you are today is in need of someone to help you this morning so that Jesus can lead you to where you will be. If you're not a follower of Jesus and want to be united into his death, burial, and resurrection this morning, please come forward while we stand and while we sing. Just as I am.